0: Good morning, good morning, good morning. Yesterday I was feeling a little under the weather, both uh, physically and mentally. So I said, let me take a nice mental health break. Let me quiet myself, calm myself, reflect, think about what has happened during this month the good and the bad. (laughs) And let me reflect on those things. Um, And so I took some time for myself on yesterday. I am also going to be taking, I think it is the second weekend to fulfill a, I want to say, a divine unction. And it is getting ready to thunder here. It's been raining all day. Um, To fulfill a divine unction to go visit one of the spaces of Harriet Tubman. So I'll be doing that in March for Women's History Month. And I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing what I will find and what I will sense when I go into that space couple months back last year, I told you all about how I had a visitation in my dream from Harriet, and she said, she spoke one word to me, and I looked it up and realized that this was a, a space where she had been um, and where she spent the last years of her life. So um, I took that as a clue to go and study up and research so i'm going to be doing that um and i'm very thankful that i will be able to do it um it's a part of the work that we want to do with daring dialogues is read and educate and also do research so i'm looking forward to that and i'm looking forward to sharing especially with the we dare squad what i find on that trip We're hopping in because it is Wednesday, it's Relationship Wednesday, and we're hopping back into Drama Free, a guide to managing unhealthy family relationships. We started out by looking at trauma across generations. We opened up the chapter on it and we looked at um, the first part of this, I believe which was just talking about how children grow up in situations where there is some trauma regarding drug and alcohol use. And today we're gonna look at, um, excuse me, we're gonna look at the clinical criteria for substance use disorders, and then we're gonna start in on what is generational trauma. What is generational trauma? And then we're going to start chapter five in our other book, talking about what boundary violations look like. And good morning to those of you who are coming in. If you would, make sure that you uh, hit the invite and share and invite some of your friends on to talk about this subject. And I'm also doing the same Clinical Criteria for Substance Use Disorders Substance use disorders are diagnosed by meeting two of the following characteristics within a 12-month period. So the person only needs to meet two of these characteristics within a year in order to be diagnosed with a substance use disorder. Number one, taking substances in larger quantities than intended or deemed safe. Number two, desire to cut down but inability to do so. Number three, spending large amounts of time to acquire, use, or recover from substance use. Number four, uncontrollable craving or urgings to use. Number five, inability to function at home, school, or work due to misuse. Number six, Persistent, problematic use even after a consequence has been given. Seven, reducing or abandoning healthy recreational work or social activities due to misuse. Eight, putting self and others in danger to acquire substances. Nine, despite cognitive or psychological problems due to the substance, continued use. Ten, using substances in larger quantities to achieve a desired effect. 11. Withdrawal symptoms are present and can be relieved only by using the substance itself. So again, in order to be diagnosed, you only need to meet two of those following characteristics within a 12-month period. Based on this criteria from the fifth edition of the DSM, The Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, a diagnosis can vary from mild with two or three symptoms, moderate with four or five of these symptoms, to severe with six or more symptoms. Parents who haven't dealt with their own family trauma often intentionally or unintentionally inflict trauma on their children. An absence of awareness is a breeding ground for cycles to repeat. Both genetic and environmental influences can increase the likelihood of substance use and mental health issues. I saw a quote last night that said, parents, don't let your traumas raise your children. I thought that was a very powerful way to put it. Um, And as she says here, just reiterating, an absence of awareness is a breeding ground for cycles to repeat. So what is generational trauma? We talk about it a lot. We hear the term a lot, but what is generational trauma? The descendants of Holocaust survivors have been found to experience higher levels of stress-inducing hormones. When trauma isn't addressed, its rippling effect can be felt from generation to generation. Now, those were the descendants of Holocaust survivors. How much more the descendants of 400 years, over 400 years of enslavement, of brutality, of mistreatment, of lynchings. There was just one last week. These are continued acts that reverberate through our generation in our collective body of people. Repeated unhealthy behaviors and maladaptive coping skills can manifest from generational trauma. People who have experienced trauma often have higher reactivities towards stress. This isn't necessarily biological, as it can be environmental, learned, and modeled. Anyone is susceptible to generational trauma, however, and families that experience racial disparities, abuse, or neglect are at a higher risk. Generational trauma can present as PTSD-type symptoms, such as hypervigilance, which we know with the black community, most of us are hypervigilant because we have to be. Quite simply put, whether that's hypervigilance in your professional life, because someone is usually either trying to get you fired or discriminate either way, or that's hypervigilance in your neighborhood. You might live in a predominantly white neighborhood that continually has something to say to you as a person of color in that neighborhood. You might be operating in a measure of hypervigilance, always looking out, making sure that everything is by the book so that no one is trying to attack you by saying that you are violating policy. So you might be dealing with hypervigilance in your home life, or you could be dealing with it in both areas. Other symptoms, such as anxiety, panic, mood swings, and depression. Parents who experience severe childhood trauma have an increased likelihood of having children with behavioral issues. Epigenetics is the study of changes in gene expression. Autoimmune and other chronic illnesses have been linked to generational trauma as well. Recent studies explore how epigenetics leaves a genetic imprint on trauma survivors and is passed down through generations. So think about that genetic print that's being left and then think about the fact that some states across our nation want to remove the ability to talk about these things that are connected to this genetic imprint across generations. Making it illegal in some states to address it or to talk about it. And we don't think that that's going to impact the mental health of those who will be told you can't talk about that, you can't speak about that, you can't teach about that. Or else it's going to be a loss of income for you, further compounding a trauma. Situations that can lead to generational trauma, emotional or physical neglect, sexual or physical abuse, parentification, or being turned into a little adult as a child, frequently relocating, growing up with parents who were addicts, not being raised by one or both parents, domestic violence, living in an unsafe neighborhood, financial insecurity, toxic co-parenting. Post-traumatic slave syndrome is a theory developed by Dr. Joy DeGruy to describe the impact of slavery on descendants of slaves or the enslaved. DeGruy, the author of Post-Traumatic Slave Syndrome, America's Legacy of Enduring Injury and Healing asserts that PTSS is a result of unresolved post-traumatic stress disorder arising from the experience of slavery transmitted across generations down to the present day, along with the stress of contemporary racial prejudice or racial micro and macro aggressions. This manifests as a psychological, spiritual, emotional, and behavioral syndrome that results in a lack of self-esteem which is why we're covering self-esteem on Mondays. Emotional and behavioral syndrome that results in a lack of self-esteem, persistent feelings of anger, and internalized racist beliefs about oneself. How trauma can show up in future generations. And these are things that as a community who has experienced trauma, we want to take a look at. Because we don't want these things to continue to show up in our future generations. Substance use issues. Risky sexual behaviors. Shame. Dysfunctional family patterns. Domestic violence. Unhealthy relationships. Self-sabotaging. Sleep issues. Unhealthy boundaries. Mental health issues. I'm running out of fingers here. Codependency. Emotional health issues, and disordered eating. Common generational patterns of dysfunction. We will get into those next week. I'll tell you what the um, topics are. Verbal abuse. Backstabbing. Gossiping. Difficulties expressing emotions. How these cycles continue. Minimization and Denial, How to Overcome Shame. We will pick up with the generational patterns of dysfunction next time. In Setting Boundaries Find Peace, we're starting Chapter 5. What boundary violations look like. People do not have to like, agree with, or understand your boundaries to respect them. Let's say that again. People do not have to like, agree with, or understand your boundaries to respect them. For the entire first year of her relationship with her boyfriend, Jamie says they spent most days with each other and talked about their future. They enjoyed trips together without arguing, and he was a fantastic listener. But if they had a bad day, he immediately withdrew his affection. This only made Jamie crave him more. After a few days, he inevitably said all the right things to win her back. He's nice most of the time, Jamie told me, but sometimes he gets in these moods and picks at me about everything. When I don't give him what he wants, he gives me the silent treatment and pouts. Jamie wanted help understanding what she could do to improve her relationship. For five sessions, she talked about how she needed to understand him better, develop thicker skin, and learn to communicate in a way that worked for their relationship. I taught her some communication skills, but she said, nothing works. Jamie blamed herself for not understanding what her boyfriend wanted. She was sure she was the cause of their disputes and the lack of resolution between them. Once I knew she was comfortable working with me, I asked, is it possible your boyfriend holds some responsibility in the communication issues? Jamie quickly defended him. He communicates very well. He tells me exactly what he needs, but I don't do it correctly. Does he give you examples of what he wants you to do? No, but I have an idea of what he wants based on what he says. After she recounted a typical conversation between them, Jamie was able to acknowledge that she's often placed in a position where she can never get anything right. For example, her boyfriend might request, I want you to cook more at home. Then when she cooks, he says, I don't like to eat this late. Why don't you cook earlier? Jamie would try cooking earlier, but he would then complain about what she prepared. You don't listen to me, he would say. Jamie was listening. However, she was just confused. Her boyfriend's mixed messages kept her second guessing what she was supposed to do. She had lost sight of what she needed, expected, and would accept because she was continually trying to please him and follow his mental patterns. Our subsequent sessions together focused on the boundary violations that were taking place in her relationship. Boundary violations fall into two categories. We're going to talk about those categories, and then we are going to uh, stop there for today. Little b, little b is micro boundary violations. They are small violations that often occur in everyday encounters as opposed to long term relationships. With micro boundary violations, we aren't usually as emotionally affected. The violation doesn't spill over into the rest of our day because we don't view the encounter as significant. Micro boundary violations can become more significant over time, however if the violations are repeated and persistent. Examples of micro-boundary violations. 1. You're checking out at a grocery store and notice that the cashier has an attitude. She's short with you in conversation and bags your food aggressively. 2. You're at a party and a stranger comes up to you and starts talking. 30 minutes go by during which you learn so much about this person that you feel you could write a tell-all book but not once have you gotten a word in edgewise. Three, you tell your coworker that you won't be able to make it to their birthday party. They tell you how important it is for you to be there and that everyone else is coming. Your coworker may really want you there, but they are guilt tripping you too, trying to manipulate you into showing up at the party. Big B, macro boundary violations are big violations that erode the fabric of our relationship with others. These are long-standing and persistent. The frequency of the violations can even change the structure of the relationship. Examples of macro-boundary violations. 1. You're unable to make a decision without talking to your sister, who helps you sort through everything in your life. 2. Your friend's drinking has become your problem to manage, and you feel compelled to help every time they relapse. When you go out, you refrain from drinking because you know you'll have to care for them. Three, you're convinced everything that goes wrong in your relationship is your fault. Your partner has so many issues and you need to do a better job of not triggering them. Now that you have a few examples, we're going to talk in the next session about some common micro and macro aggressions. All right. I am going to stop there for today. Give us some time to chop it up. So again, situations that can lead to generational trauma and generational trauma. And then micro and macro aggressions. Micro and macro aggressions and boundary violations. If you are listening by Google Play or Spotify, I want to thank you for your time and attention. Thank you so much for following this podcast. Be sure to share, like, subscribe, and hold on to this session so you can go back and replay it. Save it in your playlist. Take care, be well, and most importantly, be light.